Hello everyone, this is Jennifer Bryant and welcome to the Practical Family Podcast where we are building strong foundations and healthy homes. Hello Practical Family community, welcome back to another episode of the Practical Family Podcast. I have on the show today Miss Dina Norton. She is a registered dietitian, a mama, and a holistic nutrition coach with a virtual practice online. Her website is called Back to the Book Nutrition. And I discovered Dina as I was looking through different websites and ministries that people had that really spoke to the, the wellness, fitness, nutrition arena. Because as we are beginning the year 2018. Can you believe it? We're in the year 2018 and having to think about new resolutions, whether it's diet or exercise or mindset. And I just wanted to bring Dina onto the podcast today because her journey, especially as she's come through this this area of nutrition for herself and then to in turn help other people, it's just a beautiful process because I know that I struggle with food. I mean, as women especially, as mamas, we're so busy, we tend to get so overwhelmed, and we have this thing with food, whether it comes from family background or just emotional responses to stress, and we're going to talk about all of that today and in the next episode. So please join me in welcoming Miss Dina Norton, registered dietitian and mama. Welcome to the podcast, Dina. Hey, thanks for having me. So great to have you on. Now, what got you into nutrition and studying this? Where, where, where did you come in into this? Oh, that's a story. Um, <laughs> so my my food story goes way back, probably like a, a lot of women's. Um, and I was raised in kind of a food and body conscious family. And um, you know, as I was becoming a teenager, had my own insecurities about my body that kind of surfaced, and I had to decide what to do about it. And I dabbled in some dieting as an, a young teenager. And then about partway through high school, I really got to the point of dissatisfaction and action, you know. And so that's when I kind of doubled down, really started restricting what I was eating and um, exercising probably more than I should have been. And it worked. <laughs> um, it worked and it got a lot of um, good feedback for me. So I had a lot of positive reinforcement. I was getting the results. I was getting a lot of feedback. And um, unfortunately, you know, knowing what I know now, I would look back on my teenage self and I'd be very concerned and I would want to have a conversation with her. But at that point, I had become my own expert. And so I just kept going. Um, What was it that was going on then? I mean, because you said it was working and that's really interesting because the positive results you were seeing from diet and exercise what what would you tell your t- what what was happening to your teenage self then and what yeah, you, say you know now? that's a great question because I say it's working and it was working to achieve my own goals at the time which was to lose weight so I lost a lot of weight in the period of a year so much so that the you know the family physician was concerned um, unfortunately it wasn't working in the sense that I. I was beginning to erode away my health, my long-term health. I didn't know that at the time. I know that now. Um, And it really, unfortunately, was the beginning stages of what has taken me years to undo. But at the time, as a 16-year-old, I was seeing the scale do what I wanted it to do. And I was getting a lot of comments that I really appreciated and kind of fueled those efforts and, and my motivation to continue. So, you know, essentially it was weight loss and feeling good about how my body looked. Um, mm. 
And, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, then I came up on the end of high school and you have to choose your major in college. And, of course, my greatest interest in all the world and an area of expertise <laughs> already for me was, um, you know, what I thought was nutrition. It was really just counting calories and dieting. But anyhow, I chose my major based on that. I thought, you know, this is an area of interest for me and I know I could do well at it. So I went off to school um, declaring major nutrition and um, I stuck with it and learned a lot and unfortunately found um, found myself surrounded by a number of people who were in a similar position, you know, and that's not uncommon, unfortunately, with nutrition professionals. They mm. sometimes or oftentimes get into that whole area because of an unhealthy interest in food and uh, exercise in their bodies. And so that was me for sure. And I got off to school and uh, went gung-ho at all of it. <laughs> mm, wow. So what was it then that you noticed, like being in school and all of a sudden being around all of these other people who were interested in, mm-hmm. in I, I mean, I, I'm assuming, you know, the right way to feed yourself. You know, I'm sure you're learning about what food does to your body and all of that and because you boil it down to a science, really. So what 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 was like the prevalent... Um, um, emphasis, I guess, mm-hmm, I guess you would mm-hmm. say there, what, what was everybody sort of living for in that? In yeah, that you know, it's interesting. And now I can probably see it with a little bit different eyes. But even at the time, um, it, it was interesting how there were people who are studying uh, nutrition, um, who did seem to have a healthy uh, interest in truly learning how to nourish the body. But I do think there were a number of us who um, were just not at the place where we were ready for that. And we were there for our own reasons and essentially to learn how to manipulate food um, more to our benefit, you know, and I don't know that I would have said that was my goal going in, but really there was such um, illness, really spiritual illness, mental illness, (laughs) physical illness, um, clouding my view at that point that I thought that I was fine. I honestly, Jen, thought that I was just healthier than everybody else. These mm-hmm. people who were worried that I didn't eat enough or, you know, didn't have control of their food. I just saw myself as being healthier than them. And now I know, you know, it's far less healthy. It would have been better to have a healthy attitude toward food and have to really work on just the right food choices than to have such a distorted attitude like I had. Um Wow. Yeah, everybody's kind of at a different place um, in their motivation, I think. Sure. Well, that, I mean, thank you for sharing that because that's, that's definitely a perspective that we don't get to hear often because I think we, we look at people who are, who are able to be fit and, you know, make this a huge part of their lives and we're going, well, that just looks like perfect. I can't ever do that. But, but not even realizing that even in that type of perfectionistic mindset that I can definitely relate with in other areas mm-hmm. of life that um, that tends to to well up in us and become more of a pride thing than mm-hmm. anything. So can you share with us a little bit then about how that was impacting you spiritually and what yeah. what it finally took for God to get a hold of your your mindset? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, at the time, I didn't know it was impacting me spiritually. And ironically, you know, I went away to school, away from home, and I missed my family terribly. And it was a difficult um, transition in that way. And um, I, I was really, um, I felt like I have a I had at that time a pretty thriving relationship with the Lord and being away alone was very difficult. And I didn't feel like I related to a lot of the um, people around me very well. And so really, honestly, the Lord became a close friend and I grew so much spiritually um, as far as like Bible study and prayer and dependence on him. And, you know, looking back, I almost feel like it was like just 
in his mercy, he was overlooking this. It was a problem, but he had not yet revealed to me that it was a problem. It was like he was allowing um, nearness to him in all these other ways, maybe because I wasn't ready to face it. You know, I, I don't know, but um, I was really growing in a lot of ways spiritually. And then about partway through college, I had a professor approach me who was very concerned that I'd lost a little more weight. And she was the first person that I think from just a nutritional expertise perspective I'd ever spoken with that I knew she knew more than me. And I felt also that she cared for me and that I should probably, as hard as it was, try to do what she was saying. Um, and so I did try to sort of reform some behaviors, you know, eat a little more, do a few more things that I was comfortable changing and yet could still maintain all the control I wanted. Um, but it wasn't until several months after that, again, about halfway through college that God, you know, just so clearly and firmly um, revealed to me that I had a sin issue. And I never, ever in my pride would have said that before. But just based on a couple of scripture passages that I was reading, it was just so clear that the Holy Spirit was showing me idolatry, you know, it was a major sin in my life. And at that point, I never would have said that was me. I mean, that's not me. I, you know, I know the Lord and I'm in ministry leadership and I, you know, I do all these things um, and there's fruit in my life, all these things. But, um, you know, it was, it was undeniable what he was saying to me. And the passages he was using were passages where even the leadership was in front of everyone, you know, performing those roles of leadership. But God saw that behind closed doors, mm -hmm. they were worshiping idols. And it was just made very, very clear to me that I had a choice to make. You know, he loved me. I was eternally secure. But for my good and for the sake of his glory, he wasn't going to allow me to continue in this really a secret sin. I mean, now that I knew about it, it was something I had worked hard to protect and to cover in certain ways that were socially unacceptable. But now I knew it was not just oddities. It was a spiritual issue and it was a secret sin issue and you know really it equated to addiction so I, I think it that revelation was scary in a way because I love the Lord so much and it was just you know so undoing for me to think of myself as having been that offensive to him and yet it was kind of him to reveal it and to invite me to choose him instead of all my struggles um, but it was completely terrifying. I mean, literally, I think I was shaking that morning on the floor of my apartment, you know, having to just will myself to, to tell him verbally, I choose you. Mm. But please, please, please don't make me fat. You know, I mean, I was just so scared about these things that I had um, ordered my whole life around for so long. I was scared of losing that control. But I, I knew that I knew that it was safer to be with him. I just didn't know what looked right ahead. You know, mm. so that's really how that whole like big reveal um, happened. And it, it wasn't like a light switch. I didn't turn it off and, you know, um, ran off into the sunset with the Lord and left it all behind. I mean, it was um, really a years long process with months at the beginning of just, I would say, spiritually scratching and clawing, you know, to hang on to God and to defeat the flesh and to to fail and repent and, you know, be restored and to walk with him and fail and repent and be restored and to walk with him. And it was a beautiful, uh, painful season for a while. Mm, wow. That's, that's incredible, Dina. Can you, could you name maybe like a couple of specifics that, that you struggled with? Like what was yeah. it that you constantly had to go back and keep giving to the Lord when it came yeah. to how you saw diet and exercise as an addiction? 
What did that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll I'll spare the gritty details because I really want to be careful about not giving honor to the <laughs> to the devil or to my flesh um, or giving ideas to people who are struggling. But um, you know, I think some of the major things I really swung between behaviors of overindulgence and then out of guilt over restriction or over exercise to compensate. Mm-hmm. And so there was that strong guilt complex on both sides that would drive me to swing back the other way. And so I think a lot of times, and this is a great question because um, it leads to the point that's so important to make that, you know, this this is a spiritual issue. <laughs> People who struggle with either overeating or over restricting or anywhere in between, you know, just emotionally indulging in food or um, indulging the flesh in other ways, it's it's all a spiritual issue. And I think that all of it has its roots at some degree in idolatry, you know, exalting our desires and our flesh over God and his truth. And um, for me, you know, people were quick to, when I was, when I would share bits and pieces of this, um, they were quick to say, you know, oh, but you're thin or, oh, well, at least you don't overeat. You know, I'd rather, you know, this or that. And it doesn't matter. I mean, it manifests in different behaviors, but if the root issue is sin, the root issue is sin, you know, and it needs to be submitted to God's truth and his authority or else you'll never get past it. It's not about covering one behavior with another to compensate. That's what got me into the trouble, you know? And so it really had to be being set free at the basic spiritual level of, God is the highest authority in my life. I do not want to idolize other things. I want to actively choose him day in and day out, moment by moment. And that's where the rubber meets the road. I mean, that's when it gets tough. And that's why it takes years because you're, those things are so ingrained. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, you know? So, but yeah, I think that swinging between those two. So I really struggled with over-exercising. And at other times it was more about um, almost like an addictive, you know, inability to satiate my desire for food. And then I feel so guilty. I would work hard to over-restrict. And if I failed at that, I felt bad. And I would swing to overindulgence and just mm-hmm. back and forth. Yes, yes. And yeah. this this cycle that we, mm-hmm. I've heard of before, it, it's common. It's common. Yeah. I, I have yeah. felt a, a degree of that cycle in, in myself as well. And to, um, you know, feel throughout the years kind of that, that yo-yo dieting, like, okay, I've tried this, like I've tried paleo, I've tried hardcore working out, I've tried, you know, this and like, okay, I got myself to the point, but now, eh, you know, it didn't really become a lifestyle, right? Right. So, and, and I like how you brought up guilt. I mean, it sounds kind of backwards, but I like, like, I want us to address the guilt factor because that coupled with exactly what you said, when we dissolve, when we exalt our desires and our flesh over God, whether it's overeating, overexercising, overspending, you know, whatever it is that there's not a balance of and that that separates us from real communion and yeah. peace and the the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, yeah. patience, kindness, mm-hmm. gentleness, even if it's gentleness to ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um that those things that are the opposite of God's spirit that separate us from him, from relationships with other people, right? You talked about yeah. feeling better than because, well, at least, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm thin or I know how to, you mm-hmm. know, manipulate food when in fact it was it was a backwards way of looking at yeah. it. So thank you again so much, Dina, for, for sharing that with us because I know that, that someone out there listening right now has had the same struggles and maybe they just needed a different way to think about it because spiritually and that's why I want you to talk about how God led you to 
starting back to the book Nutrition because that's what caught my eye and my heart and my spirit when I found you and I'm looking at the basis for how you teach about nutrition. Can you go into how you got there and now what happens when you take someone through a program like this? Yeah, sure. Can I go back and touch on one more thing before we transition to that? Something that I um, I think I didn't realize until all of this revelation happened in my own life was for for really years I I, I kind of I knew that I had a problem nutritionally I didn't recognize a spiritual problem until God very clearly revealed it to me but nutritionally you know that you're not quite the same as other people and it's you know it's weird that you put ketchup on lettuce and eat that with them. you know like all these little weird things I knew that some things were wrong but I excused myself from having had a true problem because I didn't meet every criteria for an eating disorder and I knew that I mean I looked into that and I knew it so it was my justification I was okay I can keep doing this and until I saw myself in black and white in a nutrition textbook sitting in a classroom I I it did not fully register with me that I had a, I had a problem. And I still thought I could manage it at that point until God opened up the whole spiritual thing for me. But when I saw there was an entirely different category called eating disorders not otherwise specified, it changed everything for me because I recognized what should have been clear to me before, and that is that you know having all but a single criteria doesn't mean you're healthy. It means you don't qualify for that particular thing. But I think that so many women, so many women live somewhere on this spectrum of what's called disordered eating, not an eating disorder. And so just because you don't qualify for, for things that are diagnosed as an eating disorder does not mean that you don't have a disordered view and relationship and patterns of eating. Um, and I think that's hugely important just to acknowledge that. It was certainly true of me and until I saw it, I wouldn't allow myself to acknowledge it. But I think it's it's good for us as women to be evaluating things realistically, not just saying, that's not me, that's not me, I'm not that extreme, I'm not super skinny, I'm, you know. Um, but it, it might really come down to, is that relationship fully healthy or do you exhibit patterns that are not healthy? Hmm. So I just wanted to touch on that and make that you know, bring that um, to the surface in case there is anyone struggling, but allowing themselves to excuse, you know, what they know probably is an issue just because it doesn't qualify as a, you know, a specific diagnosis that we think other people fit into. Mm. Um, But getting to the spiritual and how I, you know, how back to the book Nutrition came about, um, that time in my life was pivotal for me. Um, You know, I was learning so much, um, from school and textbooks and reading literature and that sort of thing. But then when God came alongside and added the spiritual framework, I really had to sort of go back and relearn everything about when to eat, why to eat, what to eat, and make sure that it was through a lens of God and his creation and his word and all of that. And it sort of caused me to double check everything that I had done before. And I had an entirely new view of now, not just what can I get out of my body, but what's my responsibility to nourish and care for the body God gave me? And is are even the things that I do in private with regard to that pleasing to God? You know, and um, so it really changed my view. And again, that wasn't something I was able to adopt and completely conform to overnight. But it was a shift that started spiritually and then was a mental thing. And then over time had to become a behavioral thing. 
Um, and then when I graduated college and I did a master's degree and all of that, and then was ready to um, get a job, I, you know, interestingly, part of my training, my additional training during my master's um, was a, a fellowship. So an additional fellowship with um, an eating disorder clinic here in Houston that's pretty renowned. And um, so I did sports medicine and adolescent medicine with them. And so I was around all this disordered eating. And it was such an area of passion. I mean, after all that God had brought me to spiritually, I felt very committed and passionate about telling the story, right? About testifying that my God had snatched me out of death and brought me life. And, but, you know, now looking back, I understand I was still a bit too close to it. I was still, you know, working some things out in my own um, food and health and body um, that I probably didn't need to have a career starting at that point in that area. And so I, you know, interviewed for a job and I didn't get that job and I was so crushed. And then I interviewed with uh, MD Anderson Cancer Center and I thought, gosh, I don't know anything about cancer, um, but it sounds fun to get to drink milkshakes. I mean, I don't know. I didn't know anything. And, um, but I was kind of bummed I didn't get this eating disorder job. So I, I thought that was perfect for me, you know, but it turns out that, um, really learning within the world of cancer is was much better suited because my work there and the particular groups I worked with was all about nourishing and choosing the right foods to strengthen the body for this time that's so important as you're going through therapy. It wasn't about restricting, obviously. It was about how to give the body what it needs. And that's really what I needed personally during those early years as well. And so coming out of that, I came home to start a family. I got married. God brought a wonderful husband for me that was such a critical point of, of my growth in all this body acceptance and really having a healthy relationship to food. Um, and then once I came home to start a family, then I began to think, um, you know, I guess more for myself in a way. You know, now I'm not working for someone else. I'm not saying what they want me to say what do I really believe about nutrition? I was still being asked to speak to certain groups and of course asked by friends what to do in certain situations, what to eat or what I thought about something. And I think it sort of was the first time that I thought, yeah, I don't work for anybody. I need to really know for sure what I think. And I started to read a little bit different literature than I had read before and um, really get back, I think, back to the book again in a new way after having had a professional world um, under, you know, the authority of a different you know, someone else working for someone else. And it kind of brought me back again to like God's word really is the ultimate authority as Christians. And, you know, I, I honestly believe for everybody. I mean, he made it all. So he has the right to, um, <laughs> to have the final say. Um, but I think it really brought me back to that again of, you know, really it all comes back to how he made things and what he says. And he has a lot, a lot to say about food and our bodies and our health. And um, so really getting back to that again, um, and then my husband, after I'd, you know, I would speak here and there, and then people would comment to him like, oh, it was so great, and I learned this or that, and he's the one really who pushed me to do something with it. And I think I've mentioned to you before, you know, I'm the type that's like, oh, I should really do that, and then if it's overwhelming or I don't know that I could do it right, I'm hesitant to do it, but he's more of a, you know, he's the one who pushed me to to do it. And he's the one who believed I had something to say. And so it started with, you should write a book. And I'm like, you know, pregnant. And I'm thinking I should not write a book. I'm fine. I don't, I don't need to write a book. I don't need any of that. Um, and you know, kind of, you know, there's the, always the back and forth. And then the final say is like, we'll pray about it. And that's like the Trump card. So he's like, well, you should pray about it. And I was like, great. Now I'm going to have to write a book. Um, <laughs> anyway, I ended up writing a book and <laughs> I wrote an ebook and, um, 
spent a lot of time doing that. And then by the end of that, he's like, you should have a website so you could sell this ebook. And I was like, I don't need a website. I'm fine. I have an ebook. I don't need a website. And so he kind of pushed me to that next step. And, and that's how it all got started and rolled from there. And um, really, it has it has pushed me in ways to think through what I do believe and to now um, offer it in multiple different ways to others, which is such a joy, really. It's such a joy of mine and such an honor to be able to share what God's taught me. And then now to be able to help so many people who are struggling, not just with eating issues like I struggled with so many years ago. I feel like I've basically been delivered from that. I mean, I'd say 95%. I'm just free of that. And I feel like I'm very healthy in regards to my relationship to food. But now it's more about for me and for so many women I'm helping now, you know, needling down into these nagging symptoms and this, the issue of stress and poor sleep and hormone imbalance and gut issues and food sensitivities and kids with asthma and allergies and all these things that are so rampant and that it's, it's unfortunately difficult at this point to get true answers for why they're happening, what the root causes are, and what are the real lasting solutions, health from the inside out, you know. So that's a lot of what I do now. I think it was born out out of my own dysfunction and God's redemption of that and then giving me the lens through which to see food, nutrition, and health. And then this more recent stage has been about um, true health the way he intended, you know, and trying to unfortunately undo a lot of the damage that comes from just living in the modern world that we live in and how to live in it practically, but um, be able to, I guess, get back in touch with the way God fully intended our bodies to function and the food he really did make for us and give to us as food. And how do we find those things um, in today's world? So that's where it started and kind of where it's come. Oh, wow, Dina. And, and that so speaks to exactly what I pray for the community that, that we speak to now. If you're listening to this podcast, Practical Family is about encouraging families to build strong foundations and healthy homes. And now that we're hitting on the physical health, it, it never fails. It always falls into the emotional, mm -hmm. spiritual, mm -hmm. mental mm -hmm. health along yeah. with the physical because it's all interconnected because that's how God made us yeah. to live and to thrive. And I love that, Dina, that as you followed your not just your passion, but as God was reworking that in your heart and your mind. And many of you parents out there may feel like, gosh, I, I've struggled in a certain area, but now I feel like I've, I've gotten a bit more deliverance from that. And what do I do with it now? Yeah. You know, God may yeah. be calling you to, to maybe not just ministry, but of course your family first is your first ministry. And even as we talk about this now, Dina, that if you are in a place where you need God to help you to rework in you this idea of what of food and what I'm going to grab for first and what is better and why why do I even why should I care at the very least to teach our families because this this sensitivity to food emotionally is is can be passed down to, through generations you know? right how we think about food how we treat it how we see it done in our family is is key and so families the practical family podcast now um emphasizing you know health in this way i want you to really really 
well, first of all, visit Dina's website, Back to the Book Nutrition, and we're going to give you a couple of special offers. She's not going anywhere quite yet because this is just the first part of the encouragement that I wanted her to bring out in her own testimony and how she helps families get to this place. And we're going to be giving you some really practical steps for how to begin thinking about food and what Dina has to offer um, in her own virtual practice now, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. So Dina, tell us a little bit about the book that you wrote and then what are some practical steps um, families can take to to begin this journey. And then we'll go into the next episode together. Sure. Yeah, so that first book that my husband was pushing me to write years ago that I'm glad he did is called Nutrition by the Book, Where Faith and Food Intersect. Where Food and Faith Intersect. Um, And essentially, it's, it's that message that got really birthed in my heart years ago and then built on. So it's a, it's essentially a combination of these faith issues of food, the spiritual roots, what is food for according to scripture, what should we be eating, all of that, um, with specifics of this is how you do that. These are the things that you choose. This is what you fill up on. This is how you um, really keep your emotional eating in check, you know, keep bring it back to scripture. Um, so it's kind of lays out, goes through um, eating and exercise and emotional eating and food triggers and hangups and these specific practices of gratitude and how do we bring faith and food together in a way that, um, that keeps us healthy spiritually and keeps us healthy physically, um, you know, because it's not one or the other. Like you said, it's not having a healthy attitude like I'm not scared of food and I don't ever restrict, therefore I can eat everything. You know, there are these, I view it as these two pieces, two main pieces, um, and, and those are one that we have been uh, given bodies to steward and given food choices to steward and given exercise choices to steward. So we are stewards, you know, we're going to answer for our decisions in these ways. And then we've also been given things to enjoy, you know, so food is to nourish our bodies because that's what we've been asked to do as stewards. But then food is also given to enjoy and God, you know, commands feasts, you know, in the Bible, multiple different ones of them. And there's a lot of discussion in the Bible about eating and drinking and enjoying um, and celebrating with food. And so um, I think that primarily food is nourishment. That's the main um you know, responsibility we have. And, but then under that comes this enjoyment factor. If we're always enjoying more than we're thinking about nourishing and stewarding, then it's easy to choose things that aren't as healthy. But if we're thinking I'm a steward and then I also get to enjoy this role and then some feasts and other special things, I think it keeps them in a, in a, in a biblical balance and in a healthy balance for us, practically speaking. But a few things I would say, you know, for an individual or a family that are really wanting to, um, to bring food and faith together a little more. um, One would be something as simple as praying before every single thing you put in your mouth. So a lot of us pray for meals or at least pray at dinner with our family, you know, but really having this mindset of prayer um, and prayer that, Thanks God for the food, because I really believe that if we, you know, let's say I'm going to sneak off in the back room and eat a Snickers bar real fast and then not tell anyone and kind of hide the trash and do something like that. Can I really, when I'm back there alone, thank God 
for that time and space to enjoy this special treat. No, I mean, my motivation is totally different. I'm trying to escape from some situation and secretly enjoy this thing that I already feel badly that I probably shouldn't be eating, according to me, because I'm sneaking off to do it. And then I'm going to hide it so hopefully nobody finds out. So in that situation, it's going to be pretty hard to truly thank God for that. And that, that's a great way to sort of check our motivations, you know. But if everything that goes into my mouth drink or food, I'm able to stop and truly thank God for it because I should be, should be thankful for everything he gives me that I sometimes take advantage of. And if I'm eating for the wrong reasons, that's a great way to kind of reveal that in my spirit. You know, if I'm not fully thankful, I feel kind of awkward, like, well, I'm thanking you, but I'm really kind of sneaking off. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, Maybe I should revisit that, you know. Um, So I think praying before everything that goes in your mouth and being able to thank God for it. And if you can't fully thank him with a clean heart, then talk about that with him. You know, Um, the other thing I find really helpful for people, especially women who um, seem to be more uh, connected to emotional eating or emotional over exercising or emotional restricting. I mean, we act out in different ways, but a lot of it's tied to our emotions of Um, guilt or escapism or numbing or whatever we're using it for. But I think that journaling can really, really help. Um, I'm not a big fan of people writing everything they eat or calculating what they eat, but I'm a big fan of people who are having trouble with food in any way, writing down their feelings surrounding food. So if I'm having thoughts during the day of I really want this, I would keep it in this journal. If I'm having thoughts of like, I'm going to get up and go to the kitchen, then I discipline myself to first write it down. I'm feeling like I don't want to do this work and I just want an escape. I'm feeling like I'm physically hungry or I'm feeling like my kid made me so mad. How can they disrespect me? Or, you know, whatever that emotion is that the immediate precursor to wanting to act out with food. Um, And then coming back after you eat and journaling that too. Now I feel great. That was really good. Now I feel guilty. I wish I hadn't done that. Now I, you know, and I think putting all this in one place where we can see our own patterns and lay them before God and ask him to help us sort this out, to see it rightly and to know what to do about it. Sometimes these things just reveal um, emotions that, have become so normal to us because these are patterns that we're so comfortable with in our own lives that we don't recognize how unhealthy they are. But when you write it down, it feels very real and it's staring you back in the face and you might realize, good grief, I wrote down the word guilt nine times in two days. Like maybe there's a theme there, you know? Um, So I think the journaling of the emotions is really helpful. And then the third thing I would say would be to just search scripture for anything related to eating or food or drink or health or fullness or thirst or satisfaction, anything. Um, If you write down all of those types of words and then do like a keyword search, use an online concordance, it's, it's quite shocking (laughs) how much God has to say about these things. And I did that in fact, in the early days of my, um, you know, God revealing my sin and then uh, redeeming me from it. I was so, just desperate, really. I was literally desperate for his truth because I was so full of myself and my own actions, my own thoughts, my own addictions that I had to just insert his words everywhere I could. So I had note cards and I had things written on the wall and I, you know, I had stuff everywhere. I had stuff pasted to the refrigerator for sure. And on the pantry door, you know, I had scripture 
everywhere. And so um, at some point I was like, gosh, I should start keeping a Word document or something to log all this stuff. And I was just surprised that, you know, it was, I don't know if it's like 12 pages or something, but it's just scripture after scripture after scripture. And so I divided them into categories, you know, of strongholds and of addiction and of overeating or of enjoyment, you know, all these different things, idolatry. And I kind of categorize each scripture under those categories. And it was so good for me to have that as my own document of what scripture says, you know, and to come back to it. Or if I'm struggling in this way now, I can look at these eight or 10 scriptures that I pulled out. And there, you know, lots of those are still written on my heart because I recited them and prayed that God would make them true or prayed that he would uproot those things over and over and over and over again. So you yourself going to scripture and asking God to show you and finding out what he says and then holding that up. To what you think and what you do and what you say about food and exercise in your body is a great, a great reflection, you know, and a comparison to reveal. Mm. So yeah, and I actually have that document still. And if anybody wants to email me, I mean, I, I'm not pretty. It's just a word document. But you know, if somebody's struggling, they feel like that'd be helpful. I'd be glad to send it to anybody who wants to email me and ask for that. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Dina. Yeah, such such great practical but but deeply rooted spiritual um, responses to this. And it has to start there. Thank you so much for reminding us that it's not as simple as a five-step program. I mean, you know, you the Lord has probably led you to develop what you have in your book and your in your practice that walks people through individually. Right? Based on what they're going through, what what strongholds they have. But just to begin for ourselves, we need to search that and not necessarily depend on someone else first, right. but to right. search it and realize, no, there is a need. Yes. I need to take this somewhere. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Now, Dina, we're going to come back. Is that okay? Can you stick with us for a little yeah, bit? And we'll definitely. come back in episode two to talk about the practical solutions for eating, family life, what to do when we get overwhelmed. So mm-hmm. stick with us, practical family. We'll be right back. Wow, such deeply rooted issues surrounded by a relatively simple topic, eating, what we put in our mouth, what we do every day. But families, it's not that simple when we allow food to control our actions or when we use it to soothe ourselves or or make up for something emotionally. It's good that we can look into these these issues and call them what they are. That was Dina Norton, registered dietitian. She has her website back to the book nutrition and the links are all in the show notes provided i even put a few of her family relevant articles in there that are very very cool so check that out and join us uh next time next week actually for part two of this talk with dina because she's going to get into the really practical steps that we can take to look at food in ways that we may not have before Before we end today, families, I just wanted to remind you that I've come out with a brand new resource. It's actually a one-page list to download for free. It's called 10 Practical Tips to Kickstart Your Year. So you've come into 2018 excited, hopefully, about what this year will bring. Well, I've compiled a list of 10 basic things 
that will help you to kickstart your year. Things that you can do slowly over time, make goals for yourself in your home, outside of your home, within your family, for your own body. Again, download today 10 Practical Tips to Kickstart Your Year. And if you want to take it further, I've also developed a workbook. This is a 26-page workbook that is based on those 10 practical steps, and that's called Kickstart Your Life. So get the freebie, 10 Practical Tips to Kickstart Your Year, and if you want more, look at getting the workbook called Kickstart Your Life. Again, you've been listening to the Practical Family Podcast. Make sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, find our Pinterest board, and as always, be encouraged families because we are here to encourage you to build strong foundations and healthy homes.